this just a little earlier. It's a joy to be here at the meeting. We appreciate uh, the invitation as always uh, to participate in these monthly meetings. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here for the autumn conference. We pray that the Lord will be with us. We're conscious just of the need of His help. We thank you for coming. We're glad to see all that have gathered. We pray that we'll all know the Lord's presence with us. And we pray that He might give us even an Emmaus Road experience that the Saviour Himself will draw near and go with us. We're thankful to all that have taken part in the meeting. We've kept Martin uh, very busy this afternoon. He's had a number of roles to fulfil, and we appreciate that uh, very much. And uh, our brother, Mr. Knowles, as well, we're glad of his presence and participation. And it's always good to renew fellowship with Mr. Toms. And as a testimony, we appreciate all his labours, uh, all that he does from day to day. And he's been involved in this uh, work for more years than any of us, uh, maybe more years than any of us put together. But we want him to know we're very thankful to him for uh, all his very diligent uh, labours. And it's a great encouragement uh, to each one of us. Uh, we're going to say a word of prayer together, and then we'll, we'll come to the, to the passage, come to the portion that's before us, uh, the study of God's Word as well. But let's just have a little word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank Thee for enabling us to be here this afternoon. We thank You for health and strength. Praise Thee too for churning mercies. Thank You, Father, for overruling in our circumstances that has enabled us uh, to be at this meeting. We want to pray that we will be conscious uh, that the Lord himself is here. We pray, Father, you'll come and be with us. We pray as we come to the Word of God, and now, Father, that you'll come and tabernacle amongst us. We pray that you will give us that Emmaus Road experience. Lord, our desire is to learn of thee today. And we would pray that our hearts will burn within us while you talk with us by the way. Thank you for the scriptures. Oh God, give to us a deeper love for the word of God. Give to us a greater uh, desire to study the scriptures and to study the prophetic scriptures. Remember that exhortation of Peter's, you have a more sure word of prophecy. Run to you do well that you take heed. And Lord, we're conscious that we need uh, thy help. We would pray that you'll come and be our teacher. We would ask uh, that which I see not uh, teach thou me. So Lord, we cast ourselves before thee. As our brother prayed earlier, we would ask that you'll stand with us today. Come and put your hand upon our meditation now of thy word. We pray that you'll give utterance, uh, guide in our thoughts and in the words that are used. Remember the scriptures teach how forcible are right words. And O oh God, we ask, give the right words in this study as we come to consider, uh, Father, what you've told us. And as we think especially of, of the nation of Israel, we pray that you'll give us a burden uh, for the Jewish people. Remember the prayer of Paul, my heart's desire, my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And Lord, give to us that same desire to see Jewish people want to Christ. We remember the nation in all its turmoil. 
and in all its strife. We remember the words of, of that psalm that the Saviour exhorted us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And Lord, that would be our earnest and united cry, even as we gather here uh, this afternoon. So we plead, Father, uh, come and teach us, uh, come and reveal to us even uh, some of the things that are yet to come, that are yet to take pass, or yet to come to pass in the day that is yet future. Lord, we, we thank you for all that you've revealed to us, and our cry would be, Father, increase our faith uh, in your word and in all that you've revealed even as we consider these things together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Returning to Zechariah, uh, the prophecy of Zechariah, I want to take my text from just the end of uh, chapter 9, uh, the chapter that was considered in the previous meeting. Uh, I'll emphasize that a little later just as we work our way through the study. But Zechariah 9 in verse 16 it says, And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon his land. Think of the words especially the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his uh, people. The theme which has been emphasized uh, for the message this afternoon is uh, the shepherd of Israel. Uh, we encourage you uh, to think of the books that are available to help uh, in these subjects. Uh, Mr. Barron uh, of the Hebrew Christian Testimony to Israel has written widely uh, on the subject of Israel. Uh, his exposition of the prophecy of Zechariah is very helpful indeed. He also has a book entitled uh, The Shepherd of Israel and it gives a, a very comprehensive uh, overview of uh, the history of uh, the Jewish uh, people. So we encourage you to look out for that as well. So we're thinking together of the Shepherd of Israel. If you think of the occupation of a shepherd, that's a task or a job uh, that every one of us uh, knows, every one of us is familiar with. It's uh, an occupation that uh, we can all say this afternoon, that regardless of our background, we can all say that we understand. Uh, a shepherd is one who, who leads the flock, uh, the shepherd guides, he cares for the flock, and he's a responsibility as well of, of feeding and protecting uh, the sheep. So that the occupation of a shepherd is one that we're all familiar with. And I emphasize to you that the shepherd is a role or a task that is a very prominent theme, a very prominent picture in uh, the Bible. There is uh, 45 references to the shepherd uh, in the Word of God. And there's another 38 references if you look for the word shepherd uh, in, the, in the plural. Uh, the shepherds. So it's clear uh, the Bible has much to say about uh, the shepherd. You think of Abel. Uh, Abel is not described as a shepherd. Abel is described in the Word of God as a keeper of sheep. But that's very insightful. That's very unprofitable for us because 
uh, those words, a keeper of sheep, it describes for us uh, the work that uh, the shepherd uh, does. You think of the patriarchs, whenever they went down into Egypt, the patriarchs were introduced to Pharaoh as shepherds. When he asked about their, their occupation, they said, thy servants are shepherds. You think of David, the shepherd boy of Israel, probably next to the Lord Jesus, the most famous shepherd in all the Bible. David was the lad who defended his father's sheep, and it's described in the Bible as that little flock. But David defended his father's little flock uh, from the attack of the bear and uh, the lion. That's probably one of the first stories that each of us heard or were told when we went along to Sunday school. But it's clear from those few examples, uh, brethren and sisters, that this is uh, something that's very well known. The shepherd is a very prominent theme uh, in the scriptures. And what I want to stress to you this afternoon is that it is also a very prominent theme in the prophetic scriptures. And I want to encourage you to look for that aspect uh, of uh, the shepherd. I want to encourage you to look for it as you read uh, the prophecies. And we underline for you that it is the main theme of Zechariah chapter 10 and uh, chapter 11. In fact, the theme of the shepherd of Israel uh, begins properly in chapter 9. Uh, that's the reason why we took uh, verse 16 of chapter 9 as our text. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. So Israel is viewed as the flock and the Lord himself is seen as uh, the shepherd. So I point out uh, to you just it may be helpful in your study of the prophecy. The chapters 9 to 11 of Zechariah form one burden of the prophet. Those three chapters go together. And then chapters 12 to 14, uh, they go together as well. They form the final burden or the final message uh, of uh, the prophet. And the main thing of chapters 9 to 11, and especially chapters 10 and 11, is our theme today, the shepherd uh, of Israel. But let me say to you uh, that in these chapters 10 and 11, it is vital to see that there's not just one shepherd uh, that is uh, spoken of, but there's actually three. Uh, three shepherds in particular uh, that are referred to Three different shepherds, and all of them, in one way or another, uh, could be described as the shepherd of Israel. And all of these shepherds, as we consider them, and with the Lord's help, we look a little at each of them this afternoon. But all of these shepherds, as we consider what is recorded of them in the Word of God, it helps us to see, it helps us to understand a little more clearly. Uh, the purposes and the plans of God uh, for uh, his chosen people, uh, the nation uh, of Israel. So let us consider uh, these three shepherds uh, of Israel. The first are, are what can be described as the false shepherds uh, of Israel. Look at chapter 10, verse 3. My, my anger was kindled 
against the shepherds. And I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as a goodly horse in the battle. If you turn over to chapter 11 and verse 3 as well, there is a voice of the howling of the shepherds, for their glory is spoiled. Those are just two examples. There's others, look for them in the chapters. But they're references to the false shepherds. The references to the unfaithful leaders of the nation, especially in the Old Testament times, especially in the days of the prophet himself. They had not ruled the nation as they ought. They had not ruled the people faithfully and in the fear of God. They had not carried out that role of the shepherd. They had not guided uh, the flock. They had not fed and protected the people. They hadn't fulfilled their God-given responsibility. And as a result, the Lord was angry with them. And even more, as a result, the Lord visited uh, the nation uh, with judgment. If you were to ask this afternoon, what was the results or what was the consequences for Israel of the rule of these false shepherds? Well, I stress to you that the results were sad. They were tragic. In fact, they were long-lasting. The, the effects and the consequences of the rule of these false shepherds has been felt in the nation of Israel even to this uh, very day. Let me just highlight uh, for you three of the tragic consequences that are recorded for us here uh, in, in these chapters that came upon Israel. For one thing, the nation was scattered. Remember that the Lord had solemnly warned Israel that if they disobeyed his law, if they disobeyed his word, that one of the judgments that would come upon them is he would scatter them among uh, the nations. And last night in the meeting in Dawes Heath, we were in Nehemiah chapter 1. And Nehemiah, in his great prayer, as he pleaded for Jerusalem, he said, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. And Zechariah, he speaks of that judgment here. If you look at chapter 10, verse 6, And I will sow them among the people, and they shall remember me in far countries, and they shall live with their children and turn again. So it's clear, brethren and sisters, God's word is true. God had fulfilled the prediction of judgment. Because of their sins, Israel had been driven out of their land, and they had been scattered into far countries. The picture that is given is that they were scattered. It's like the sower, especially the sower in former times, the sower scattering the seeds, scattering it with force, scattering it widely. But notice the encouragement that is given in uh, chapter 10 and verse 10. I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria and I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon and place shall not be found uh, for them. So what encouragement there is there. We could sum it up like this. He that scattered Israel uh, will gather them uh, again. 
You think of uh, the shepherd. I'm sure sometimes you've, you've seen the shepherd in the field. And he's rounding up uh, the sheep. Well the shepherd of Israel will do the same. One day the shepherd of Israel will gather his scattered flock. He will gather them from the ends of the earth. And that has been happening. It has been happening uh, these last 75 years since the rebirth, the reformation of Israel as a nation back in 1948. Jews from all over the world are returning to Israel uh, again. So that's one of the consequences of the rule of uh, the false uh, shepherds. The nation was scattered. But think as well of the loss of uh, three vital offices uh, in the land. Consider the words that are found in chapter 11 verse 8. Three shepherds also cut off in one month and my soul loathed them and their soul also abhorred me. So think of the three shepherds spoken of. Cut off uh, in one month. It's a very interesting statement. Uh, you, as we're thinking of the false shepherds, we're told here that God cuts off, God removes three false shepherds. Does it in a month, in a very short uh, space of time. It's an interesting question. What is the prophet referring to? Let me suggest to you, if you think of the three great offices of the nation of Israel, the offices of prophet, priest and king, Remember that the Saviour was the fulfilment of all of those offices. He is the only one that fulfilled or occupied all three of those uh, great offices. In Old Testament times, those offices were very prominent. They were very prominent in the daily life of uh, the people of Israel. But now, those offices are no more. They have been, uh, all of them, removed from the nation. Think of the solemn stroke of judgment uh, that was. If you think of the words of Hosea, he declared, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice. And brethren and sisters, that's Israel's current position. All the vital offices of the nation are not functioning uh, and have not been functioning now for centuries. Israel has had no king, uh, no king in the land from the days of the captivity. The Lord Jesus said that uh, John, John the Baptist, was the last of the prophets, and the priesthood ceased with the destruction of uh, the temple. So the loss of the three vital offices in the nation, what a tragic, what a terrible outcome of the rule of the false shepherds, the ungodly leaders in the nation. And then the other consequence of the rule of the uh, false shepherds that will emphasize is the rejection uh, of the Lord Jesus, the one who is described in the New Testament as uh, the good shepherd. You consider those words in chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. And I said unto them, if ye think good, Give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it unto the potter, 
a goodly price that I was prized out of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. So here in what happened to the prophet Zechariah, you have a picture, you have a type of the Saviour of the Lord Jesus being sold by Judas Iscariot for 30 pieces of silver. And then that money being after he returned it, after he cast it down in the temple, it was used to buy the potter's field outside the city of uh, Jerusalem. These verses are quoted in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 27 in connection with uh, Judas's actions. But it is strange uh, to read in Matthew that they are attributed not to Zechariah, they are attributed to, to Jeremy or Jeremiah uh, the prophet. That's very interesting. It's a challenge as you read those verses in Matthew 27, challenge to understand. It's a question that has puzzled Bible students uh, for centuries. Uh, Mr. Barham, I was telling Mr. Toms, and his exposition takes the line that it was a, an error of one of the scribes, which I'm quite surprised uh, to see that he would uh, take that position. It, it has puzzled Bible students uh, for a very, very long time. I, I'm not going to it in full uh, today. I'll suggest to you that in Matthew 27, the Holy Spirit has conflated or has joined uh, two passages of Scripture together, joined together the details of two passages of the Word of God, one in Jeremiah 19 and the other here in Zechariah chapter 11. But the Holy Spirit has attributed them to Jeremiah because he was the major prophet of uh, the two. Remember that we generally describe uh, Zechariah in those books as uh, the minor prophets uh, of the Word of God. But it's clear, brethren and sisters, the clear message here is that finally the leadership, the influence of the false prophets of the nation of Israel, the, the influence of those false prophets on the nation led them to the ultimate sin of the rejection of their Messiah, the one who is the saviour of uh, sinners. So I ask you just to note, let's take a moment just to pause uh, and just take time to consider how much Israel lost. And there's other things that are mentioned in the passages and the chapters. It's a challenge on an occasion like this. There's so much that could be touched upon. But from what we have seen, you will note how much Israel lost as a nation because of uh, the sin and because of uh, their unbelief. And what a warning that is. What a warning to the rulers of our nation. What a warning to the rulers of every nation. Sin, sin brings terrible consequences upon a land and upon a people. So that is something about uh, the false shepherd uh, or the false shepherds of Israel. The second that we'll emphasize to you is uh, the foolish shepherd uh, of Israel. If you take a moment uh, just to look there uh, at the words in chapter 11, uh, verse uh, 15, uh, where it says, And the Lord said unto me, 
uh, take on to thee yet the instruments of a foolish uh, shepherd. So here's one who has the description, the name, the title of a foolish shepherd. In other words, if you think of a foolish shepherd, he is not a good shepherd. He's the complete opposite of the one who is described as the good shepherd. The word foolish is a word that is uh, used in the scriptures of the end time. Uh, if you think of uh, the foolish uh, virgins, uh, the foolish virgins were those not ready for the coming of uh, the bridegroom. But who is uh, the foolish uh, shepherd? Who is, uh, the, who is the shepherd of Israel that God would describe in such a strong manner, describe as uh, foolish? Some will suggest that this is a description of Herod or of some of uh, the Roman emperors. It may be true to say that uh, those men were foolish rulers, foolish leaders. They certainly did some very foolish uh, things whenever they were in power. But this title is not referring to them, uh, brethren and sisters. This is a reference, this is a description of none other than uh, the Antichrist himself. Can I point out that the word foolish here doesn't mean somebody who is stupid. It means a person who is wicked, a person who is corrupt, a person who is morally deficient. If you think of Nabal in the days of David, he was a foolish shepherd. He was a fool by name and he was a fool by nature. He was a wicked and a sinful man. And I remind you that Nabal is a picture, he is a type of uh, the Antichrist. Uh, can I remind you of the familiar words in the psalm, or in the psalms, the fool hath said in his heart, uh, there is no God. There's repetition in the Bible, not just to fill up space, it's, there's repetition in the scriptures for emphasis. And God has repeated those words twice in the psalms. In Psalm 14, and then again in Psalm 53, the fool hath said in his heart, uh, there is no God. Can I make you aware this afternoon that that is a title of uh, the Antichrist? There is many titles of the Antichrist in, in uh, Scripture. Uh, Arthur Pink, uh, the Bible commentator, has a book on the Antichrist. I commend it to you. Uh, there's a chapter in that book in which he deals at length with quite a number uh, of the titles of uh, the Antichrist. So there are many titles of the Antichrist in Scripture. And the Antichrist will be a denier of God. Not necessarily uh, atheistic. In other words, one who denies the existence of every God. When we speak about an atheist today, uh, generally that is what is meant. Somebody that is a denier of every God. But the words here in Psalm 14 and Psalm 53 are no Elohim. In other words, he denies the God of the Bible. And the Antichrist is the great fool of the Bible, the great fool of Scripture. And in the true sense of the word fool, Antichrist will be sinful and he will be corrupt. Remember that Paul writing to the Thessalonians describes him and says, then shall that wicked, think of that, as such a title, Antichrist is the wicked one, 
He is the lawless one. He is the epitome of evil itself. And not only will he be evil in himself, but he will seek to corrupt uh, the whole nation of Israel as well. If you think of Jeremiah I, who was the first king to reign over the northern kingdom of Israel uh, after the division of the land. And you remember what the scriptures record over and over about Jeremiah I. It records uh, Jeremiah, the son of Nebat, who made Israel uh, to sin. Just notice that. Uh, note, uh, it says, who made Israel uh, to sin. And that's the sort of man that Antichrist will be. He will make Israel sin against the Lord. As Jeroboam set up idolatry and introduced false religion in the land, so too will the Antichrist. If I could remind you again of what Paul said to the Thessalonian believers, what he taught, so that he, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So in the Jewish temple, the Antichrist will establish false religion, he will establish idolatry. In fact, he will establish the worship of himself. Do you remember that the Saviour told the Jews, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will uh, receive. The Jews foolishly, remember we're thinking of one called the foolish shepherd. Well, the Jews foolishly rejected the Lord Jesus. But one day they will blindly and foolishly accept the foolish shepherd, the Antichrist. And he will lead the nation astray. He will lead Israel into uh, gross sin. If you notice as well, just uh, verse 17 of chapter 11, there is the title, The Idol Shepherd. It says, Woe to the idol shepherd that leaveth the flock. So here's one who doesn't look after the sheep, doesn't look after the flock. It's actually detailed. A detailed description is given in verse 16 of his neglect of the flock. But the idol shepherd is another title of Antichrist. And it, can I highlight for you again, it emphasizes the great contrast between the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep and the foolish shepherd who wanted to defile and destroy the sheep. He wanted to defile and destroy the flock and the nation of Israel uh, itself. So the false shepherds of Israel, the foolish shepherd, and then thirdly, let me emphasize the faithful uh, shepherd of Israel. If you look closely at chapter 10, verse 4, it says, Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor uh, together. That's a great text of God's word. It's one of those verses that you ought to know, uh, ought to be familiar with, Mark, in your Bible. David Barron says of that text, he regards this verse as one of the richest messianic prophecies in the Old Testament uh, scriptures. You'll notice that it contains three titles of Messiah. He is described as the cornerstone. He is the sure 
and the true foundation. He's described as well as the nail. The image of the nail points to the strength of the Messiah. And then the battle bow. Well, that indicates Messiah as uh, the conqueror. Three great uh, messianic uh, titles. So you'll see that there's much of Christ. Much of Christ in this passage, and that is uh, one verse that uh, is full of uh, Christ. But especially in these chapters, uh, he is set forth as the shepherd, as the true and faithful shepherd of his people. Let me remind you, as you think of that, let me remind you of what Matthew recorded uh, of the Lord Jesus. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You think of a flock without a shepherd. And that's how the Saviour saw the Jewish multitudes that came to hear him preach and teach uh, the word of God. Now think of those words that they were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd. And then look at chapter 10, uh, verse 2. It says, Therefore they went their way as a flock. They were troubled because there was no shepherd. So notice the words there, no shepherd. The Saviour, the Lord Jesus, uh, he had these words of the prophet in mind whenever he was looking on the multitudes in Israel during his earthly ministry. In fact, he's quoting from this passage. Uh, notice the words there, they were troubled. And a flock, brethren and sisters, uh, a flock without a true and faithful shepherd is certainly in trouble. And that is Israel's condition today. They are a flock that is in trouble. Notice how the flock is described uh, in these uh, chapters. Chapter 11, verse 4, there's the challenge, the command to feed the flock. That indicates a flock that is hungry, a flock that has been neglected. Look at chapter 11, verse 4 again. That interesting uh, description or title, the flock of slaughter. So here's a flock that is in danger of being destroyed by the enemy. Can I remind you that Israel's history, right down through the centuries, has been one of slaughter. You only have to think of the Second World War and the Holocaust and the slaughter of countless millions of Jews. Think of the middle of chapter 11, verse 7. O poor of the flock. So the flock is described as weak and in great need. So Israel as a flock is in great uh, trouble, as is described there at the beginning of uh, chapter 10. They're in great trouble. In the past, the false shepherds failed them, didn't rule over them uh, faithfully and in the fear of God. In the future, the foolish shepherd, the Antichrist, will deceive and will pollute uh, the nation. But praise God, there is one who is the faithful shepherd. Uh, you think of the familiar and the precious words of uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Can I point out to you something that is often overlooked? And that is that that is especially true of Israel as a people. We have commended some books to you. Uh, William DeBurr's commentary on the Psalms that are available 
that our committee has had the opportunity to, to publish. They're very useful, a very, very profitable study indeed. Help you to see the Psalms in a prophetic light. That is especially true of Israel. The Lord is the shepherd of Israel. And that's what we're considering uh, together today. He is Israel's faithful uh, shepherd. Can I ask you, as you're thinking of the Psalms, did you ever notice the prayer at the beginning of Psalm 80? He cries, give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. So here's a prayer for the shepherd. It's a prayer for the shepherd of Israel to come. That's the idea when he says, shine forth. It's a prayer for the shepherd of Israel to come, to appear, to reveal himself. And I want to urge you to pray that, that prayer today. Uh, I was speaking on the Sabbath evening in our Kilskiri church at their annual SGAT prophetic conference on praying for the return of the Saviour. That's something that many of the Lord's people never consider, praying for the return of Christ. Remember that the final verse, or, sorry, the final prayer, it's in the verse before the last in the Word of God. But the final prayer in all the Bible is even so come uh, Lord Jesus. And here's a prayer in the Psalms, Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. And the prayer is that the shepherd would shine forth, the shepherd would appear, that the shepherd uh, would uh, come. Can I remind you, Peter declared, when the chief shepherd shall appear. Isn't that uh, very much in keeping with our theme uh, this afternoon? He is teaching that Christ is coming. What a truth. I will come again. The Lord Jesus is coming, and he's coming as a shepherd. But it's important to see and to understand, brethren and sisters, in the context of the teaching of the whole of the Word of God, that he's not just coming as a shepherd to the church, he's also coming as a shepherd to the nation of Israel uh, itself. And we need to pray for that to happen. We need to pray for the Saviour to come and to be uh, the shepherd of his flock, the shepherd uh, of Israel. And notice quickly what the faithful shepherd uh, will do. For one thing, he will save the flock. The words that we took as our text, chapter 9, verse 16, and the Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his uh, people. We'll consider that a little more in uh, the message this evening. He will save them physically, but he will also save them spiritually, save them from their sins. He will save them from slaughter. Remember, they're the flock of slaughter. So he will save them from slaughter, from death, from their enemies, but also save them from a lost eternity. And he will also save them from the false shepherds that we were speaking of a little earlier. If you look at chapter 10, verse 3, my anger was kindled against the shepherds. That's another reference to the false shepherds of Israel. And I punished uh, the goats. So he's going to save uh, the flock. But he will also feed the flock. If you look at chapter 11, verse 7, and I will feed the flock of slaughter. Even you, O poor of the flock. The false shepherds 
Well, they fed themselves. They weren't concerned about the flock. But the faithful shepherd, he will feed his people. He will teach them. And he will teach them the ways of God. He will teach them the word and the law of the Lord. Something else the faithful shepherd will do is he will increase the flock. Consider the interesting statement that is found there in chapter 10 and verse 8. It says, And they shall increase as they have increased. So the flock will grow. The flock will increase. Isn't that what every shepherd likes to see? And that's going to happen to the flock of Israel as well. Do you remember the promise given by Ezekiel the prophet? And I encourage you to think of the shepherd of Israel. Uh, Ezekiel has some very significant comments to make upon that subject as well. But he says, I will increase them with men like a flock. So remember that is spoken of, of Israel, spoken of the nation. So far from the nation being wiped out, their best days, their greatest days are yet uh, before them. The final thing I'll emphasize that the faithful shepherd will do is he will gather the flock. If you look at chapter 10, verse 8, uh, there's a little statement there in the verse, and gather them. Uh, there will be a gathering of Israel. We've highlighted that already in the message this afternoon. And verse 10 gives you the extent, or some of the extent of that gathering. He says, I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt, and gather them out of Assyria, and I will bring them into the land of Gilead, so that's given you an indication of the land that Israel will possess in that day. Both sides of the river Jordan, the land of Gilead and Lebanon, and place shall not be found uh, for them. Such will be the gathering uh, of God's people. And there are miracles uh, to help those being gathered. Miracles like those of former times, those miracles that took place by the power of God in Old Testament days. And some of those are spoken of there in uh, verse 11 of the chapter as well. So he that scattered Israel uh, will gather them. Do you remember what Jeremiah taught? Chapter 31, verse 10 of his prophecy. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations. So here's a word for us, not just for Israel. The word of the Lord, O ye nations. And declare it in the islands afar off and say, so all the ends of the earth, or to hear, or should hear this message. He that scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. Can you picture a shepherd coming into the field uh, to gather up the sheep? Well, that's the picture. That's the picture of what the Saviour, the shepherd of Israel, is coming uh, to do. So here's a little Brethren and sisters of the work of the faithful shepherd, especially in a future day. So the subject of the shepherd of Israel, three different shepherds, all of whom in one way or another could be described as a shepherd of Israel. And all of these shepherds, as we consider what is recorded of them, they help us to see, they help us to understand the purposes and the plans of God uh, for the nation uh, of Israel. So the false shepherds and the foolish shepherd and the faithful uh, shepherd. So as we've been thinking 
uh, together about the shepherd uh, of Israel. Let me ask you this afternoon, just as we close, uh, can you say uh, that the Lord is my shepherd? Do you know him uh, personally? Many years ago, in this land of England, there was a gathering of people in a very large home. It was the home of a very wealthy family. Uh, there were some very important people that were gathered. Uh, that evening they all had uh, food together. And then after dinner, they wanted a little bit of entertainment. There was a man amongst them who was a well-known actor of his day. He had been very well trained, especially for his voice. Uh, a lot of time had been given to the training of his voice so that he could uh, speak very clearly, so that he could use all uh, the emphasis that was necessary whenever he was speaking and playing certain parts. So they asked him after dinner to recite something uh, for them. He wasn't sure what to recite, so he asked for some suggestions. And an old minister that was in the gathering said, what about the 23rd Psalm? Well, you can imagine the actor was taken back a little. He had been to Sunday school as a boy and he knew the psalm. He had learned it uh, by heart. So he agreed to recite the psalm to the people. But he said he would do it on one condition, and that was that the old minister would recite it after him. So the actor stood forth, recited the psalm, using all his gifts, all his training. And whenever he had finished reciting the psalm, uh, the people broke into spontaneous uh, applause. They, they were delighted at the recitation of the psalm that they had heard. Then the old minister, well, he stepped forth. Uh, he was an old man and he was frail and his voice was broken and he was well past his best. But whenever he had finished quoting the psalm, no one clapped. In fact, when he had finished, everyone was in tears. The actor stood forth again and he addressed the people and he said, whenever I quoted the psalm, I touched your heads, but this man has touched your heart. He said, the difference is this, I knew the psalm, but he knew the shepherd. He knew the shepherd of the psalm. He could say the Lord is my shepherd. Remember the shepherd is the Lord Jesus always. Remember that when you read the psalm, the importance of comparing one scripture with another. He is the good shepherd, he is the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. So that's the psalm that's all about Christ, uh, our shepherd. And the most important thing in life for any of us is to be able to say that the Lord is my uh, shepherd. So think of those words as we finish. The Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people. May the Lord bless his word uh, for the Saviour's sake. Ha, ha, ha.